0: I'm going to get back to the Ten Commandments next week. So, commandment number five was a good place to pause uh, for this message. But as I was preparing this message, I began to search the computer for actual excuses that people use, have used, or may someday use for not coming to church. Amen? Now listen. I'm just the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger if one of these applies to you, okay? But see if you've ever heard of these. Here are a few. I missed church because the little guy had a cold and we all had to stay home to blow his nose. (laughs) I missed church last Sunday because there was a sermon on the radio I wanted to hear. I had to miss because the kids wanted to sleep in. These are actual excuses, by the way. I couldn't go to church today because I had a flat on the car and we didn't think we could all fit in the truck. I just had this feeling that I shouldn't be there. Church gives me gas. I've worked all week and I am just too tired to go. There are too many hypocrites in the church. There are too many sinners in the church. I'm too young. I think that when I get old, then I'll start going to church. It's boring. I'm not good enough. I'm still a sinner. I'll go to church after I stop smoking, drinking, and cussing. I work six days a week, and the seventh day belongs to me. But we learned last week, Sunday's the first day of the week, amen? So you got to come on Sunday. I can never seem to get up in time on Sunday. Why should I give my money to some church? I don't want to be around a bunch of Bible thumpers. I don't like the songs we have to sing. It's too cold in there. Have they never heard of heat? It's too hot in there. Have they never heard of air conditioning? I worship God at home when I'm alone. My wife doesn't go, so why should I? My husband doesn't go, so why should I? My family never went when I was a kid. I never can seem to find a babysitter on Sunday. Does that mean maybe because the baby's supposed to be in church? I don't know. Nobody notices me when I'm not there anyway. I don't go to church on Sunday because getting the kids dressed in their Sunday best first thing in the morning makes me cuss. Trying to see how many people got caught on that one. Amen. I didn't miss church. In fact, I had a good time not coming to church. I didn't go to church because I had a dream. God was in it, and he said you shouldn't go. An actual excuse. I didn't go, I didn't miss church because I found a new church. It's a wonderful church. No singing, no standing, no sitting, no kneeling. Every Sunday you can faithfully find me at Bedroom Baptist with Pastor Pillow. Boy, it don't take much to find an excuse, does it? People can find excuses to justify whatever it is they want to do. People can blame it on their feelings. They can blame it on their health. They can blame it on their job. And yeah, they can even blame it on church. Today, we're going to meet a man who is an unsung hero in the New Testament. And he's an unsung hero because in the end, he ignored all the excuses and obeyed God anyway. Ananias was his name. Ananias was a name that many people forget, but very few people forget the name of the great Apostle Paul. We might have never heard of the name of Paul, though, if it weren't for this man named Ananias, this man who answered God's call With four simple words. Are you ready? Here I am, Lord. Say that with me. One more time. Now, this Ananias is not the same Ananias that, uh, along with his wife, lied to the apostles and lied to God about giving money to the, to the poor folks. That guy ended up dead at the hands of God. This is a different Ananias. And this is the only place that we find a mention of this man. Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9, and let's read about this only time that we hear about this man named Ananias. In Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 10, The word of God says, now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, ready? Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus.'" For behold, he is praised. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. So when he had received food and was strengthened, Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not the one who destroyed those who called on his name there in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose? So that he might bring them bound to the chief priest. But Saul increased all the more in strength. And confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus. Proving that this Jesus is the Christ. This Ananias is found in this one little section of Acts chapter 9. But Ananias played a very important part in the history of the church. This Ananias, God used him to help bring Saul, a persecutor of Christians. This persecutor helped bring him into the church. Saul had just met Jesus, but how many of you know that knowing Jesus just isn't enough? There's more involved in this Christian walk of ours. See, not only does God want you to know Jesus, but God wants you in his church as well. That's important to the Lord. It's not the church that saves us. We all know that. But the church is a tool that God uses to get the good news out to the world. So we are part of that church. Apparently, God thinks that Christians are better off with church than without church. Amen? That's right. So church is important. Church is important. You know, we all struggle with some of the same issues. We all struggle with some of the same questions. Questions like am I useful in the kingdom of heaven? Does all of this that we do does it really even matter? Am I important in the eyes of God? Is the world a better place with me in it? See, the people ask those questions often, but they don't pause to do anything about the answers. Even among church folks, we recognize problems in our country, don't we? But how many of us actually address those problems? How many of us will actually take a bold stand against those things or against those people who stand against God, who stand against Jesus? Very few of us, even believers, are part of the solution. Meanwhile, the incredible privilege of being used by God actually slips through Our fingers. Now I want to remind you, friend, that there are people all around this church house. All around this church, people that need a relationship with God through Jesus. And God is using you. He is using me. He's using us as a body of Christ to get that good news out. And that is what the Grow Outreach Ministry is all about. Ministering to people in Jesus' name. Sharing the good news of Jesus in God's name. We all ought to be about the business of doing the Lord's work. I think that God even uses certain people. Certain people at a certain time, perhaps in this certain place, to touch another certain person. We call those times divine appointments. And your life is filled with divine appointments just like Ananias. You know, it's that moment that you're born for. That moment where you realize, this is what God wanted me to be used. This is how he wanted me to be used. It's that moment where if Jesus were to come today, you would say, hey, I'm good. Because Jesus would say to me, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because you knew you just did well. Ananias did not let that divine moment slip through his fingers. He was there, and get this, this one ordinary man. God used him to change the world. So who was this Ananias? What did he do to be used by God? There are three things that I see about the character of Ananias that will help me and you to be used by God. First of all, I see that Ananias was listening for God's voice. Look again there in verse 10. There was this certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Yes, Lord, here I am. And so the Lord said to him, Arise and go to that street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Ananias was listening to the voice of God. Did you notice that Ananias wasn't a preacher? Brother Chad, Ananias wasn't a deacon. He wasn't a church leader. He was just a certain disciple. Verse 10 says that he was simply a certain disciple. The Bible goes on to say that the Holy Spirit of God was given to the Apostle Paul through the laying on of hands of this simple, certain disciple. Ananias is what Bible scholars call a layman. Get it? He was laying on Hands. He was a simple layman. He was a certain disciple. See, God chooses to use normal, ordinary disciples to lead other people to Jesus. That should excite you. That should excite you. God will use you to lead other people to Christ if you will be willing. Bible historian Brian Green even takes that, that thought a little bit further. He says this. Brian Greene says the future of Christianity and reaching the world for Jesus rests in the hands of men and women that are not primarily professional Christian ministers. The future of our faith lies in your hands. I think that's one of the most important lessons that we can learn from the whole book of Acts is that Christianity is a lay movement. It's a movement that is taken care of by certain disciples. A lay movement and the work of witnessing and testifying to God's goodness and God's grace in Christ was never committed to some special group of people like preachers and clergy. No. It was committed to every single believer. So the work is not simply mine. The work is also yours. The notion that it's the preacher's job. That notion that, hey, the preacher will do it. The leaders of the church will do it. That kind of mentality has drastically hindered the growth of the church because it makes too much depend on too few. Now, I'm not a fool to think that we're not led by people who are willing to be an example, but the bulk of the real work of the gospel of Jesus Christ falls squarely in the lap of certain disciples like you. But notice that Ananias, while he was a lay person, he was a lay person who was in prayer. Now, when we pray, most of the time, we do a lot of talking. Amen? Look at me. When you pray, do you do most of the talking? Amen. We all do. I'm guilty as charged. We tell God all about how our days have been. We tell God about our problems. We tell God about our concerns, and we tell Him about our fears, and we tell Him about our family, and we tell Him about our sickness, and we tell Him about our unlimited or our very limited checking accounts. Amen. Okay, I just want to make sure it wasn't me. But think about this for a second. And there's nothing wrong with those things, by the way. God cares. He he has concerns for all those issues. But consider this for a second. We voice our concerns and we voice our fears, and that helps us to put it all into perspective. But you know, all in all, God already knows all that. Doesn't He? He knows all about your issues, He knows all about your family. He knows all about your concerns and your fears. Think about it. We have this privilege of spending time with the almighty, all-knowing God of the universe, and we spend so much of the time telling him stuff he already knows. Does that strike you as odd? When Jesus was teaching the disciples to pray, do you remember him saying this? And when you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathen do, get this, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Yet we spend so much of our time telling God stuff he already knows. But if we're honest, it's just easier to talk, isn't it? It's a lot easier to talk than to listen But do you learn anything when you're talking? I don't think you do. You may learn how to trust God more. That certainly has great value. But you don't really learn anything when you're talking. You only really learn when you're listening. And that's why we worship God by hearing. By listening. That's how we worship Him. Ananias knew how to recognize God's voice. He knew that at the point that God spoke, he knew what his reply was going to be. He knew he was going to say, Yes, Lord, here I am. I'm listening. You know, it just takes time. It takes time to recognize God's voice. It takes practice to recognize God's voice. And it doesn't come in one sitting. It's a process. It's a process of waiting and sitting in silence, waiting to hear from God. And if you'll do it, if you'll learn to recognize the voice of God, then you may get let in on something that you didn't know. Folks, it just takes time to recognize the voice of God. Perhaps you know the story of Elijah. Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament, and he had just won a major victory over the forces of evil. Except when he did win, the evil queen Jezebel put a bounty on his head, and he said, Elijah, you will die. Mark my words. So Elijah ran and ran. And ran. And he kept on running. And finally he ended up underneath a shade tree wishing that he could just die. And then God showed up. Then God showed up. And God said, boy, I'm getting ready to speak to you. Be listening. And suddenly a huge windstorm came up. But God's voice wasn't in it. And then an earthquake ripped the land apart. But God's voice wasn't in that either. And then a great fire swept across the land. But God's voice wasn't in that either. At last, Elijah heard a still, soft whisper. He heard a whisper. And he knew it was God. He recognized the voice of God. It's awful hard to hear the voice of God in the hustle and bustle of our daily lives. It's hard to hear the voice of God when you're going through the hardships of life. But I want to tell you, friend, God wants to teach you how to hear His voice. Now, you're not going to find time to hear from God as if it was something to be found. No, listen to me. You're going to have to make time. You're going to have to take time to hear from God. But when you do, and the Lord whispers your name, He whispers those small things into your life, you're going to recognize His voice. And you're going to know that it's Him. And then when the wind and the waves come over you, you'll be able to recognize God's voice all the better. And Ananias was listening for God's voice. But we also find that Ananias was loyal to to God's direction. Look there in verse 13. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is my chosen vessel to bear my name before the Gentiles, before kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things He must suffer for my name's sake. See, even though Ananias had lots of concerns, even though he had a whole lot of doubts, he did what God told him to do anyway. He did it anyway. Folks, it's one thing to hear the voice of God. It's another thing altogether to do what he told you to do. Amen? It's difficult God's voice often comes and says, you know what, that's wrong. Stop it right now. And you may hear his voice say that. But stopping, actually stopping what you're doing, now that's a different story altogether. It's difficult sometimes to obey what God tells you to do. But Ananias obeyed God despite the fears, despite the questions about the mission. What about you? I know that at least every Sunday, you hear from God. You hear the voice of God through His Word. Have you been obeying it too? Hearing and obeying. Are you able to overcome your fears that lead to obedience? Are you able to get out of your comfort zone When God tells you to do it, are you able to trust God to use you no matter how much it costs? Let me ask you this. If God were to ask you to do something really hard, if He were to ask you to do something really hard, like, I want you to get out of your comfort zone. What if God were to ask you I want you to sacrifice your time even at the end of a long work day. What would you say? Your answer to that question will reveal what you believe about God. If he asked you that question, would you say, "You know what? Man, after a long day, that can't be from God." Amen. Or would you answer, uh, well, I think I'll do it next year. The next time Grow comes around, then I'll do it. Maybe you might say, um, you know what, I got this excuse and I got that excuse, and either I shouldn't do it or I just can't come tonight. One thing that we find in the Grow Outreach Ministry is we have a, a large volume of commitments at the very beginning of the ministry, and then they begin to taper off by the end of the ministry we barely have enough people to do it. So what I'm asking you for today is a commitment that lasts. I'm asking you for a commitment that costs, but I'm also asking you for a commitment that lasts. How you answer that question will reveal what you believe about God. That'll tell you if you put your trust in God, or if you're really just trusting in yourself. We find that Ananias was loyal to God's direction. And we believe that the Grow Outreach Ministry is the direction that God is leading us. And my prayer for you today is, is it like Ananias? You'll be loyal to God's direction. But finally today, Ananias was also loving to God's people. In verse 17, notice this. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized, so that when he had received food, he was strengthened Then Saul spent some days with the disciples. And then we notice in verse 22, as Paul continued to to share the good news that he had received, Saul increased all the more in strength, and he confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus was the Christ. But it was all because of Ananias. Had Ananias not been obedient, Paul may never have heard. Ananias was loving To God's people. And after he got rid of the excuses. Because he had a few. After he got rid of the excuses. Ananias obeyed God. He went to this killer. Of Christians. And he even called Saul. My brother. A term of affection. A term that he loved Saul. He heard God's voice. He was obedient to it. And he showed love to somebody. Who was previously trying to kill him somebody that was trying to destroy him. He was willing to show love to him. What a powerful testimony of the fact that God grabbed hold of Ananias' heart. Has God grabbed hold of your heart? Could it be that God wants to use you? Could it be that God wants to speak to you about helping another person get connected to this church could it be that God wants to use you to change the world could it be you know we've had a, a lot of new people visit our church in the last few months do you know their names do you know their kids names Have you made an effort to really show them that God loves them and the Savior died for them and that this is a loving church that they can be a part of? After the service, do you greet those newer faces? Extend the right hand of fellowship to them? See, learning to hear God's voice is not only for your benefit, it's often for somebody else's benefit. God speaks to us so that you and I can be part of this plan. Part of this plan to grow his church, his people, his body. It's not so that we can sit on the shelf and be a trophy that Jesus died for. No, God wants to use us. He wants to use us mightily. And if we'll be willing if we'll answer the call, if we'll say, yes, it could be me, then God will use you. And he'll use you to change the world just like he did Ananias. And you know, I look at all of the qualities that Ananias had, and I see no abilities listed in the the Bible. I don't see any abilities listed there. All I see is, Availability What did he say Here I am Lord Here I am Lord I'm available To you We don't know what Ananias could do We don't know what he couldn't do All we do know Is that Ananias said Here I am Lord Here I am Use me Reader's Digest carried this story back in 1996. And here's how it goes. He said, A friend often told me about the problems that he was having getting his son to clean up his room. Anybody else had that problem? The son would always agree, Yeah, Dad, I'll clean up. But he would never follow through. After high school, The young man joined the Marine Corps, and when the young man came home from leave after basic training, the dad said, son, what have you learned in these months while you've been in the Marine Corps? And he said, dad, I have learned what the word now means. God's greatest privileges, God's greatest blessings come to those who learn the same lesson. Hearing Him, obeying Him, and loving His people, and doing it now. No excuses doing it now Ananias listened and he responded Paul believed and the whole world was changed for the glory of God I wonder what miracle I wonder what blessing I wonder what opportunity is waiting on the other side of your obedience Four words can change your life. Here I am, Lord. And friend, as you consider being a part of the outreach arm of this church family, the Grow Ministry, I want you to think for a second. If you were homebound, you couldn't even go to the grocery store and get your own groceries because you were depending on somebody else to do it, how important would it be to you if somebody in your church family paid you a visit every now and then? Important, yes or no? the gospel of Jesus you on the other foot how differently it fits. This morning we're extending an invitation to anybody and everybody that's in this building. First of all, if you don't have a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, I can show you through the Word of God how you can. Amen? Won't be my words. It'll be the Word of God showing you How you can be saved from your sin and have a home in heaven with God when your days on earth are through. I can show you that. Second of all, an invitation goes out to everybody sitting in the pews today to be a part of this outreach arm of this church family. invites you to check. Yeah, I want to be a part. If, some, if I was sick, if I was homebound, if I was lost, I want somebody to come to my house. Yeah, I want to be a part. We try to make it as easy as we can. There's two days a month that you can serve us: the first Tuesday or the third Tuesday. And we only meet for one. Chances are you're probably going to be excited and you're going to want to spend a little more time with them. That'll be your, your call. But we only call for one hour. One hour to make a visit or two? To write cards of encouragement to homebound the sick folks? To do some redecorating around the, around the church to make it more visitor-friendly? Perhaps some work outside. Some folks love working in the garden or work in the flower beds. I hate it. I will make a visit any time of the day or night. Amen? Some people say, I ain't making no visit. I ain't going to somebody's house. But I will write a card. You know, look at all the places, all the things you can do. Make a visit with someone. Write a card. Make a call. Work on the church grounds. Pray. That's the foundation of of the ministry. If we ain't praying, then we ain't doing nothing. During daylight savings time. Nobody likes a visit in the middle of the night, right? So we do it during daylight savings time. One night. Being used by God. Don't let it slip through your fingers. I love my car because I check them off. <laughs> Amen. Except for the redecorating and the playing or singing. Amen. During this invitation, it the foot of the cross because we ain't doing this for no church we ain't doing this for no preacher we're doing it for the one who hung on a cross for us amen so I pray that you'll take that commitment seriously and you'll be a part of what God is doing in us and through us if we would be willing to give seven hours a year a year